everyone, my name is Stephen Wakabayashi and you're listening to Yellow Glitter, mindfulness through the eyes and soul of a gay Asian. Every episode I share with you what's on my mind or things I'm struggling with and how I'm working through it to help you live a more mindful, fabulous life. So, New York City is being hit even harder with the coronavirus. As of yesterday, March 31st, New York City accounts for 40% of overall coronavirus cases here in the United States. And United States now tops 21% of global reported cases. Now, the numbers are estimates and some countries are not properly reporting, but based off of the numbers alone and what people are experiencing in hospitals all around the world, frankly, we are experiencing widespread tragedy unlike any other. Around the city here in New York, hospitals are running out of ventilators, morgues are filling up, and bodies are being put into refrigerated trucks docked next to hospitals. And despite all of this, there are still people congregating in groups, socializing, and just recently, New Yorkers, or tourists, congregated to watch the USNS Comfort arriving, and they didn't have any protective equipment, masks, gloves, or even practice social distancing. People were in groups with their phones recording the boat. This hurts my heart so much as I have had friends with immediate family members that have passed away from it, with the number of that increasing week over week. It absolutely breaks my heart to hear these stories. Some scientists say that social distancing will be the new norm for at least a year until we develop and distribute a vaccine. 12 to 18 months, they say. Some epidemiologists estimate that this pattern of shelter in place will become an annual tradition to come. Some economists forecast that our recovery will be a lot slower than we think. And while we can run infinite mathematical models and economic projections, the timeline ultimately rests in the hands of this virus. Unfortunately, pandemics don't care about stock markets, jobs, or vacations we have scheduled. Ultimately, all we can do is take this day by day. Another day we get through this is another day closer to the end of this nightmare. With that said, I kind of want to shift this conversation a little bit this week. I was chatting with a friend over this weekend about this radical shift that has happened to all of us, not just in the U.S., but around the world, where we have to stay within our homes to do everything. And with that, we are experiencing so many things unlike ever before. This is unprecedented. And with that, it presents us new ways of thinking and behaving, as well as opportunity to shift our relationship with friends, families, with ourselves, and potentially with the greater world around us. For many of us, we are sheltered in place with others, our friends, our roommates, our family members, and with that, we have this amazing, beautiful opportunity to deepen our relationship with people living under the same roof. We are finally present for those family meals we've always missed, playtimes with our children, and conversations with roommates we always talk about having amidst our daily hustle. 
And something that's beautiful that has worked for me has been establishing routine family dinners. While I was in Los Angeles and I was staying over there after I moved out of San Francisco for a little bit, I had dinner almost every single night with my mom and my aunt. And as simple as that might be, and as weird as the initial first dinners, the first sit-downs might be, there was a huge shift when I had done that. After a few meals with them, we were having conversations with each other, asking questions, inquiring, digging deeper into each other that, frankly, we never had the opportunity to. And I've also experienced difficulty living under the same roof as well in the past. And for that, I recommend to practice unconditional love and kindness, especially in this scenario of COVID-19. A lot of people are processing it from all different angles and different perspectives. We don't all process trauma in the same way. And with that, we have to be considerate. We have to be kind if we ultimately want to get through this together. As a part of that, when we do practice this unconditional love and kindness, we ultimately sow the seeds we want to reap within our household. And what's even far beyond that, in giving unconditional love, we also start to understand what unconditional love we need for ourselves. Sometimes the most difficult things to give onto others, we struggle the most to give onto ourselves. And the next thing, as a part of being at home, sheltering, sometimes in isolation by ourselves, we spend so much time alone with our thoughts. We try to escape with the news, social media, video games, digital happy hours, but all of this time can be potentially an opportunity to reflect, practice gratitude, and cultivate equanimity. Last year, I had the opportunity to travel all around the world to study meditation, and as a part of it, I sat in silence for over two months around the world. At one of my retreats, I was confined to a small cement room with nothing more than a wood brick and a bamboo mat to sleep on. During that time, I felt a flurry of emotions, boredom, frustration, angst, and it was in these moments that I finally realized that I could cultivate a relationship with these emotions. In the past, I was operating in a very reactionary state. When I was angry, it was when I was in a fight or flight mode. And when I was sad, it was when the event was hitting me right then and there. And by sitting in meditation, by sitting in contemplation, I was giving myself the opportunity to meet and greet some of these uncomfortable feelings and process it in my own timeline, in my own way. And one of the activities I do every single day on top of meditation is practicing journaling, daily journaling in the morning and the evening. In the morning, I do a reflection of my feelings. I ask myself, how do I feel today? Because more often than not, right when I wake up, I find that I have some residue feelings left over from my dream state or the night before, things that I've carried over. And as a part of journaling with it, I get to 
reassess and to check in with myself. In the evenings, I also do a gratitude journal. I write three things that I'm grateful for. Something small, something big, something with somebody else. And as a part of doing that exercise throughout the many number of years, I have started to see things that I'm grateful for quickly throughout the day as it happens. One really amazing thing that technology offers us is the ability to use voice to text with our phones. And if you haven't enabled yet, I highly recommend you to enable it right in your keyboard. There's that little mic icon, hit it, speak into it, and it'll transcribe everything you're saying. And I find this especially helpful when I am doing my journaling, especially capturing my moods in the morning. And I'm able to just riff, I'm able to just talk at a normal pace that I'm thinking, and it is capturing it all very quickly. Granted, there's a little bit of spelling errors here and there. For the most part, they are so useful, intuitive, intelligent, and I'm able to capture my thoughts a lot more succinctly. And by sitting with it in our own time, These are really ultimately the only opportunities we have in practicing how we recognize and respond to these unfavorable emotions on our own turf. What is difficult one day will ultimately become fodder for equanimity in the future. This balance, this ability to recognize emotion and to respond to it. Some Buddhist monks think difficult opportunities as they are the moments when they get to practice these emotions they don't get to feel on a day-to-day basis. Anger, upset, sadness, rage, and another thing that's happening all around the United States, reevaluating all of our finances. Many people have been furloughed, decreased pay, or flat out, many people have just lost their employment altogether because their businesses are not essential businesses. There are many friends that I have that are right now struggling to figure out what are they going to do this upcoming month of April because they don't have a job. Even if they wanted to work, they cannot go to work. And as a part of clamping down our finances, we also start to reflect on what we ultimately need. We see that what we ultimately need is far greater than luxurious vacations, dream cars, the hottest new electronics. What we need are these invaluable connections we have with each other. They help keep us sane, they help nourish us, they feed us, and they are closer than we think. They are probably just next door or in the house next door, or even because of technology, just a phone call away on the other side of the world. And in this unprecedented event, we have an opportunity to talk together and to be there for each other. And as a part of finances, a couple recommendations for those of you that are struggling. Continue to take a look at how the government is providing aid. The government is essentially giving out a stipend for those who have been directly affected. They have lost their jobs. And the amount of money you get starting at the most $1,200 all the way down to just a couple hundred dollars, it is dependent on how much money you made on your tax returns, either 2018 or 2019. If your 2018 is greater than your 2019 tax return and you're also below 
the 99,000 salary cap, most definitely file your 2019 taxes ASAP so that you can use those tax returns to get the funds that you're eligible for. I saw on social media a couple people recommending to reach out to landlords, reach out to businesses that you have rent with to ask them if there is an opportunity to decrease the rent. This is one of those cases where you just have to put yourself out there and ask. The worst that you can get in this situation is getting a no for an answer. Um, a couple more financial recommendations. Definitely a great recommendation is to budget and to also track your spending every single month. And if you have multiple credit cards, one amazing way that you can cut down on your spending is to just cut up your credit cards and operate with cash. Granted, you don't get points, you end up not overspending and you end up not spending money that you don't have, paying interest on money you don't have, and in the end, you save more money. Once you're tracking all of your expenses, take a look at all of the monthly reoccurring payments that are happening that you might be able to live without. And a lot of us have subscribed to TV channels, services that we don't necessarily use all the time. And so as you are starting to clamp down, reevaluate your finances because of all the stuff that's happening, take a look at where you are spending the money. And the last financial recommendation I have for you during this time is to prepare yourself for the next few months that are to come. And that might look very different for many people, depending on how much savings you have set up. Lastly, one of the biggest opportunities that's in front of us right now is to reevaluate this relationship we have with this planet. Since we have isolated, businesses have paused, we have seen an unprecedented decrease in pollution. In Madrid, the average nitrogen dioxide levels have dropped by 56%. And in New York, just last week, carbon monoxide levels from cars have been reduced by nearly 50%. There are many reports of animal life thriving all around the world. And in this, we see how nature is coming back. The ozone layer is healing. Habitats are rebuilding. And as a part of this, we can truly rethink our relationship with nature and implement ways of coexisting from here on out as a partner rather than as a parasite or a cancer. We've been so focused in the past on technological advancements and capitalistic gains that we have forgotten that every single thing we touch, we use, has come out of Earth. The phone that you use, the computer that you use, whatever you're using to process this podcast right now, it comes directly out of the earth. And it is just absolutely mind-boggling. And although we may grumble our way through change, what is happening to us may be very well this blessing we weren't expecting to get. And so to summarize, we have a couple opportunities we are spending time with our families, friends. Take time to really sit with them, be present, have a meal, have a conversation with them. If we are sitting alone, contemplating, take that opportunity to start inventorying ourselves, our feelings, our emotions, 
and to become present through journaling, through meditation. If we're clamping down on finances, understand that what we really need are things that don't cost money, connections with others. But if we do need to clamp down, we can reevaluate our finances by one, what are the aids that we are eligible for from the government? What are ways that we can cut down on spending by eliminating credit cards, going cash only? What are ways that we can eliminate some of the monthly payments, monthly recurring subscription charges? Or does it even look as simple as asking people we are paying rent to to see what we can work out? And the last biggest opportunity is to reevaluate our relationship with this planet by instituting policies, ways of behaving from here on out that is going to help us thrive and live on this planet together by coexisting with nature. And one more thing that I want to call out that is happening while we are so focused on the coronavirus that is devastating lives all around the world, especially the United States right now, we have extremely dangerous people still passing legislation that is extremely self-serving. Just yesterday in Idaho, Governor Brad Little passed anti-transgender bills approving one prohibiting sex changes to birth certificates, and two, bans on trans women from competing in women's sports leagues. And all this happened while we were all celebrating International Transgender Day of Visibility. And so my recommendation, after all this is said and done, go out, vote, to ensure we can get these dangerous people out of office Every single vote counts. And and this is also a wake-up call as well to not only focus on the news that are specifically dedicated to the coronavirus, but taking a look at our local laws, our state laws, our federal laws to see what is going on at this very moment that people are using and hijacking this larger pandemic to further their self-serving laws. But with that, I also want to end on a high note. Yesterday was International Transgender Day of Visibility, and there were so many amazing transgender folks being celebrated from celebrities to individual trans folks, and my heart goes out to you. I want to celebrate and thank all of the transgender folks that are out there that are listening to this. We appreciate you so much for being unapologetically you. Happy International Transgender Day of Visibility. I applaud you for existing and being brave every single day amidst everything that is going on in the world right now. And so with that, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me via my Instagram at Stephen Wakabayashi or on Twitter and Facebook at Waku, W-A-K-U-U. I always love to hear your feedback and thoughts. And I also publish a weekly mindfulness newsletter at mindfulmoments.substack.com if you want to hear what's on my mind and things I, t- and things I discover online that inspire me every single week. 
And if you enjoyed this, please leave a rating in Apple iTunes. It takes just a few seconds. Hit that star. If you have a few minutes, leave me a comment. I want to hear what your thoughts are. And your ratings and comments helps other people find this podcast as well. And so with that, so much love for you. Hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're staying safe. And hope your day can be a little bit more mindful. (laughs) Bye now.